Hello. So in a minute, Steve's going to do a talk. But while that's going on, if you need something to do to help you to concentrate, little people probably. Do you want to come here, Rosie? Hold it up. So uh, have you got a picture of the... Oh, it doesn't matter. No, this um, okay. So we are making plates. Like you saw the broken bowl, we get a plate and cut the edges off, maybe. Yeah. Get your plate. Cut it into bits. If you just do the edges, I was thinking maybe you could then use it for your lunch later. <laughs> and then what I've done is I sellotape the back once you put it together like a jigsaw puzzle. And while you're cutting it up, maybe think about how you might be broken, the things that you find difficult, the times maybe you get a bit cross with your brothers and sisters, your parents. Um, yeah. <laughs> think about that. And then when you're piecing it back together, think about how Jesus has forgiven you. And then while you're making it look lovely and pretty, we've got tape, we've got stickers, we've got sparkly things, you can even colour it if you want to. Think about how God makes you beautiful, how God makes you whole again. And listen to what Steve is saying at the same time, because I think he's going to be talking about that. So if you want to come down, you can take stuff back but with you if you want to, but it might be easier if it's all in one place to use what you want. Thank you. Thank you, Zoe. Am I on? Great. I should put this here. So, good. Thank you. Welcome all again. Um, so, I've got some stuff that I feel God's put on my heart, and I'll share it with you today. Hopefully it's, it's, it's yeah. So, is it, I wonder if anyone here is an artist at all. I know there will be. There, I mean, there, there'll be some painters out there. Jackie, do you paint? Yes, brilliant. There will also, Hannah, we know, does all sorts of art. There's probably many of us here who are artists, yeah. People who do visual arts, so paintings or pottery or th th sculptures, th things like that. There's going to be musicians as well. That's a form of artists who are making something beautiful out of their music, out of their, out of their gifts there. There's songwriters as well, and this is kind of, I guess, a little bit where I come in as well. In, in my songwriting journey that I've, I've, I've been through, I, yeah, that, that's an art there. There's taking, taking the, uh, making something beautiful out of, out of the words and the melodies. And the question, just to start with, is why on earth do we do it, all of our artists here? Because it's actually it's a very tough thing being an artist. We're there doing, to get to the point where you have a piece of art, you've had years of honing your experience in it, you know, years of doing it before you can make it really how good it really takes that practice and that, that, that commitment to it. Then, if I'm writing a song, it takes about a month of being in that song, where you're, where you're just kind of in it, you're living it, you're, you're part of it, it's, and then once you've gone through all of that journey of struggling, trying to get it right, the actual use of that song is, can be so fleeting. You know, if, if you do an art piece of art, visual artwork, you're left with this art, you're proud of it, you maybe show it to someone, and they look at it and say, oh yeah, that's great, yeah, this is best case, sometimes it will look rubbish and that will be <laughs> another story. But apart from a very small fraction of people who actually can make a career out of their art, Apart from that, there's, there's, there's really a lot of discouragement in, in, in art. So why do we do the art? You know, we're not going to make millions out of... I'm not going to make millions out of my song. It's not going to be a career for me. It's not going to... You know, Jackie or others who paint, it's, it's, it, yeah, there's only so many walls you've got on your house to fit paintings on. <laughs> Where do we go? And I think that there's, there's two reasons why we do it. And this is... I'm coming on to the word, but we're, we're getting there. One is... It glorifies God, what we're doing. 
right? When we're doing this creating, we're making things beautiful, you know, God is part of that. God is a creator. We're showing what he's good at and what, what, what he's done for us. And also, there's something in the prophetic in it as well. Now, what, do I, what I mean by that is when we're spending that time creating, doing our writing songs, God speaks to us. We draw close to God to do that. In, in that month where we're going through it, we're living in a passage of Scripture and we're listening to God's, God's, God's words on it. So that kind of brings me towards what we're, where we're getting to uh, today. If you, if you jump down to the next slide, please. Uh, oh, you're not on the slides yet. There we go. <laughs> That's okay. Jump to the next one, please. And maybe if we could we just turn the front light on so we can show. So I'm part of something called the 12 Songs Challenge, which is I just signed up through a couple of months ago, which is writing. Basically, it's, you write a song a month. It's this community in the whole of the UK, all from different churches. I've signed up to this and committed to basically write a song every month. And, you know, I'm in the third month now. I haven't written this month. But the first one was Songs of Peace. So we had to kind of try and write a song of peace in that month. And then there's a community and you share it and you get feedback and there's a podcast and everything. But the second month, the October one, the theme was to write songs from the perspective of an artist. And there was, this, there was an interview with someone called Makoto Fujimura, who's this Japanese Christian artist. Who, and he talked through his whole process of writing songs and approaching it. And there are two things that really struck me from what he said. And we're, we're focused, the first one was, write art, make art that's too big for the back of your car. <laughs> and I love that idea, you know. If you make art that fits in your car, you're doing it for a purpose, to show it to someone or to sell it or something. Just make art just for the sake of it. You know, it's completely impractical. There's no purpose for it at all. But there's beauty in the process of making that art. You know, you're writing a song. Maybe we'll never do it on Sunday, but the, the process you go through to make it. So that, that really stuck with me. And then the second thing, which is where we're mainly going to focus on, is this idea of kintsuki. If we can jump to the next one. So he was, of course, a Japanese artist. And there's this type of art in Japan called kintsuki, which means golden, junery, ju, golden joinery. See, the idea is you, make, you take something broken, you piece it back together again, and you do it slowly, and you look at the fracture lines, and you, you, you glue it back together, and then the, the gold, it's actually glued together by this gold, and it, you make this incredibly beautiful, um, beautiful work. So in October, I was massively living through with this, and I, that, this really inspired me for the, the, for the song I wrote. But then, I, and I was talking to Mark one morning, and this is where the prophetic, I think, comes in. God was leading through, me through that journey of um, Kintsuki, and I was, on Tuesday morning, I was speaking with Mark and saying, like, I had all of this stuff, all the stuff I was going through, Anyway, scroll on to Sunday morning. We'd done our worship practice, and actually was, I was struggling with it a bit that morning. It was, it, was, it was kind of one of those ones where it's really hard to gel, and I was a bit stressed, and I was, I was actually sat down there during the prayer meeting. And then guess what? Warren walks to the front. <laughs> Some of you were there, and you remember it. And he said, I've just got this vision, this picture from God about these broken ports. He didn't know that because I knew the name. I'd had, it might have been going over it for, for two or three weeks, and he was saying... There's this amazing Japanese art where they take these broken pots, they glue it back together, they put gold in there. And isn't this a picture of what we are? You know, we're broken vessels here. And actually, and, and there's something in the... I love the bits there. It, at the bottom here it says, as a philosophy, it treats breakage and repair as part of the history of an object rather than something to disguise. Yeah, and how true that is of us. We're, we're all broken. We're all you know, have, have these challenges. We all have these wounds. 
But there's healing and there's something beautiful, something more beautiful than we were at the start to come out of this. So, Rosanna, we've got, we're doing a reading now. So, we're going to get into the Word now, and actually Rosie's going to read for us. Um, so the passage is, if we jump down to the next slide. It is, uh, yeah. So it's Luke chapter 7, verse 36 to 52. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him. Jesus went into the Pharisee's house and sat at the table. A sinful woman in the town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. She stood at Jesus' feet crying and began to wash his feet with her tears. She dried his feet with her hair, kissed them many times, and rubbed them with the perfume. The Pharisee, who asked Jesus to come to his house, saw this. He thought to himself, if Jesus were a prophet, he would know that the woman who was touching him is a sinner. Jesus said to the Pharisee, Simon, I have something to say to you. Simon said, Teacher, tell me. Jesus said, There were two men, both men owed money to the same banker. One man owed the banker's 500 silver coins. The other man owed the banker 50 silver coins. The men had no money, so they could not pay what they owed. But the banker told the men that they did not have to pay him. Which one of the two men will love the banker more? Simon the Pharisee answered, I think it will be the one who owed him most money. Jesus said to Simon, You are right. Then Jesus turned towards the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? When I came into your house, you gave me no water for for my feet, but she washed my feet with her tears and dried my feet with her hair. You did not kiss me, but she has been kissing my feet since I came in. You did not rub my head with oil, but she rubbed my feet with perfume. I tell you that her many sins are forgiven. This is clear because she showed great love. But the person who has only a little to be forgiven will feel only a little love. When Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven, the people sitting at the table began to think to themselves, who is this man? How can he forgive sins? Jesus said to the woman, because you believed you are safe from your sins, go in peace. Sit down now. We'll do your craft. Okay, thank you, Rosie. So, there were three three people mentioned in that room. If we, first of all, there's a woman um, who lived a sinful life. Now, what I find amazing amazing about her, and I think this is deliberate. She she's not named. We don't know who she is. We only know her by what she's called. You know, the first thing that Simon says about her is she's a sinful woman. If Jesus knew who this was who this was, he would know that she was a sinful woman. She, she didn't have a name um, that, that's recorded. She's, she's only referred to as she is a sinful woman. Yeah, and actually society gave her that name. Society judged her and told her who she was, that she was this sinful woman. 
Now, we, we don't know her story. It doesn't tell us. And I think, it, again, it deliberately doesn't tell us what she did. This is not a ticking off different, you know, oh, she did that. You know, she knew herself, and society knew who she was. She was a sinful woman. They lab- labeled her that. But, but Jesus welcomed her. Jesus didn't turn her away. She, she was recognized by Jesus. Then there's Simon. Now, Simon, to contrast this, Simon has a name. He's recorded. He is Simon. He's Simon the Pharisee. Right? He's got a name and he's got a title. You know, he's, he will be respected in the town. He's invited Jesus in. He's, he is this kind of big um, religious leader of, of the day. On the outside, of course, he had everything, everything in the right place. Except one thing, that he didn't welcome Jesus. Now, when Jesus came into his house, he didn't welcome him. He didn't recognize. Now, what a privilege to have Jesus in your house, the Son of God in your house, and he didn't welcome him. And you know what? There's, there's two types of people here. The woman knew exactly where she stood in respect to Jesus. She knew exactly where the place was that she should be, at his feet, in tears, broken, dejected. Simon didn't know where he, he, where, where he was. He, he didn't welcome Jesus. He didn't know that he needed, needed forgiveness. Now, it's interesting. I read um, one statistic a, a while ago that actually of church leadership today, and by the way, this has nothing to do with Mark and Ashley and the other leaders. This is not them. We know these guys love the word of the Lord. But 70% of church leaders say they only go into the Bible for, to prepare for Sunday services. They're not being fed for it. They're just reading it just to, to this is from some poll that they carried out now this this is simon this is these are people who, who t- try to tick all the boxes they look good on the sunday but they don't um they, they don't welcome jesus into their heart they don't love spending time with him they don't love spending time in his words and have you noticed as well what jesus challenges in the bible when the sinful woman comes in he doesn't challenge her on her sin and actually, um, maybe there's some theologians here who will prove me wrong, but I don't think that Jesus ever picks anyone up on their sin when adulterers come before him, when, you know, the, the criminals on the cross. He doesn't call them out and say, you're a sinner, you did this. The only time I hear him doing it is hypocrisy. You know, when, when there's Pharisees, when he's pointing out, that actually, that's, that's, I think it's, it's the only sin that, well, I guess hypocrisy and also in the temple where there's people lying and falsifying God's. That's, that's the thing that he might... He, he didn't turn away this woman. He didn't say, you're not worthy. And we know from the story of the forgiveness, you know, the, the, the different one who owed the 500 coins, the one who owned the 50. You know, the, these two people, we, we know from that that Simon um, still had the 50 coins. He was that man in the corner. He still had that debt. He still owed the money. He didn't know it, though. But there was one who did know it. There was two people in that room who needed forgiveness and salvation. And there was Jesus. And of course, both of these people had their stories. And of course, Jesus also has his story. If we go to the next slide, please. So Jesus' wounds here. We know from the Bible that Jesus suffered wounds. It's all over the Bible. If you look in Isaiah 53, verse 5, it says, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds here, we are healed. The Bible goes into really great detail to talk about the brokenness of Jesus. It talks about the nail holes in his arms and legs. It talks about the spear wounds. 
It talks about the whipping. It talks about the crown of thorns. It talks about the beatings that he take, he's taken. It goes into great detail just to show how, just how Jesus um, suffered and how his body was broken. And it also says that he willingly suffered these things. But because, of course, Jesus knew that brokenness is not the end. You know, the, the brokenness that Jesus faced wasn't his lasting legacy. Let's jump to the next slide, please. Jesus, of course, and we know the story, but Jesus was resurrected. Let, let's read those, those verses in John. Actually, this is after Jesus is resurrected. Um, when he's meeting, remember the story of doubting Thomas, he's met the disciples. Thomas has then come in and said, oh, I don't believe it. Unless I put my hand in his wounds, uh, and the yeah, hand in his side, fingers in his wounds. And it says in, in, in the word of God, in John 20, 26, 28, a week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas w- w- was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Now, the main point of this story is about doubt and faith. And God, but, but there's one thing I particularly want to pick out here. Is if you imagine the scene, this is a matter of weeks after Jesus was had all these wounds to him just how weird it is (laughs) put your hand in my open gaping wound put your put your hand in my side but the response to that is not revulsion right the response to that is worship and wonder my lord and my god so what we see here is that jesus even though he had this brokenness even though he had these wounds there was no revulsion to them there was there was nothing disgusting about that scene there was just wonder and worship that these wounds were now, these were not wounds, these were scars. They were healed. Hi, Josiah. <laughs> and, and it says in Romans, you were buried, therefore, by, with, with him in baptism, by baptism into death, in that order, just as Christ was raised for the death, that you may walk in the newness of life. Right, we, just as Jesus had these wounds, which then turned into scars as they healed, so we also have that same healing, that same, um, you know, th- th- these gaping open wounds will turn into beautiful scars. Jesus still bore his scars, yet he's beautiful. Now, Jesus was no more or less beautiful before and after he was, he, he went to death. If anything, he was, after death, he was, he was beautiful, but those wounds bore a story. They bore the story of grace. And he had them, and he was proud of them, and he showed them off. Let's jump to the next slide. Jesus in heaven. We get these words in in Revelation chapter 5, verses 1 to 6. Then I saw, and we've got this story of, of what it's like in heaven at the end times. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found that was worthy to open the scroll to look in, or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and the seven seals. Then I saw a lamb, looking as if it had been slain, standing in this, at the center of the throne, 
encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. So we have this picture in heaven, all this pomp and pageantry. There's trumpets, there's shouts, there's people standing around, there's a throne in the middle. And right in the center of that picture is a lamb looking as though it had been slain. Now, if it was a sheep there, if it was just a lamb on its own, that would be, yeah, that, that doesn't tell a story. What, what's a lamb doing on a throne? But a lamb who's been slain, gladly wearing the scars of, of Jesus' sacrifice in heaven. Now, that's the story of grace right there in heaven. That tells a different story. That tells a story of healing, of forgiveness, of salvation. Let's jump to the next slide. So what does this mean to us, facing our brokenness? We all, everyone in this room, carries around brokenness. We all have wounds. You know, this world, since the fall, since, uh, since we moved out of this perfect Garden of Eden, the world can be a horrible place. You know, we, we carry our brokenness. There's divorce. There's loss of a job. There's death of a child. There's cancer. There's bankruptcy. There's abuse. There's neglect. There's rejection. Everyone in this room will have felt those things. Everyone will be hurt. We're all broken because of our pain, abuse, addiction, rejection, bereavement. It's all there in us. We're actually like these jars of clay that are new, that are made new. We're made new and made perfect, and they're broken. You know, some of us, we've been dropped and shattered in some way in our life. Some of us have more cracks than others, there's fault lines. Some edges are sharper than others. Now, we have this story in that going back, someone owed 50, some of them owed 500. You know, some of us are going to have a few crack lines. Some of our, our jars are going to be just littered with these crack lines and littered with, and that's the story of who we are, where we've come from. And what do we do with this? I mean, naturally, we tend to two responses to our brokenness. So some people, we, we can get lost in our brokenness. We can never find healing from their pains. It can define us. You know, the, the divorce we had, the abuse that we suffered, this can be the define of our life. It can hold us down. We can never find healing for their pain. We can just get lost in the identity of, I'm a broken person here. Equally, and that, equally we can be like Simon the Pharisee. We can actually ignore or hide our brokenness. You know, we, we can do this image of, I'm a good guy, you know, I do this, I do that, I have all these deeds, I have this status in society. We can keep it really well hidden, but it's, they're still there in the inside. We still have these sharp edges, these jagged things, these things damaging and hurting us. We still have this brokenness. So, and we need to face that. We need to face that we're broken and that we need healing. If you jump to the next slide, please. So, gold-lettered words. So Jesus, in this example, now the Kintsuki example can go so far, but can go no further. It's not perfect, but it really helps us to understand it. This artwork, Jesus is both the gold that, that binds us together, and he's the artist. So he makes us whole, he restores us. Because of his life, death, and resurrection, our life, death, and resurrection, gives us the ability to tell better stories. When Jesus saves us and heals us from these brokenness, it doesn't go away. Jesus didn't appear again with no scars. You know, Jesus appeared again with a massive gaping hole in his side and nail holes. And that's, the, that's, that's just part of it. The beatings, the crown of thorns, all of this would have been on his body. These would be his scars. 
and they tell the story of what's happened to him. We have these scars. They tell our story. It's nothing we should be ashamed of when we're healed, when we're forgiven. We carry those scars. But these are the words that Jesus said to the woman who was at Jesus' feet, crying in brokenness. He said to her, and I've just highlighted some in gold, your sins are forgiven. And in verse 50, Jesus said to the woman, because you believed, you are saved from your sin. Go in peace. She's forgiven, she's saved, and she's in peace. Yeah, Jesus is both the master artist here and he's the gold. He doesn't hide our scars. They're all real and they shape us. But he does heal us from the pain of them. They're not wounds. They're not open. They're not festering. They're not getting infected. They're covered in gold. This gold in our life, in these areas, these fault lines in our life, they're covered by this gold. So that when, Jesus, when God looks at us, he doesn't see the broken pottery. He sees the beautiful vase with the gold joints of Jesus covering our wounds, our, our wounds. And he makes us even beautiful, more beautiful because of these scars. You know, we, tell these, we have these stories. <laughs> it's, a, it's a funny one. Imagine if the fall hadn't happened. Imagine if we were living in, um, in, in perfection in the Garden of Eden still. It would be amazing. It would be perfect. But there would be no grace in there. You know, the grace happened for a reason. Imagine never being forgiven, never being healed. You know, we, we carry these scars and they tell these stories. In Christ, you can have scars instead of open wounds. And he doesn't just bind you up. He binds you together with the gold that is his life. Christ comes in and Christ covers us. So next one, please. Gold-covered wounds. So God heals us and we have scars, not wounds. Yeah, it tells that story. We're real, authentic people. We're not, we, we don't get transformed into something different, some kind of perfect, holy person. We're real and we have stories. And these stories tell of our healing. And God, I tell you, God wants the world to hear these stories. God wanted people to see his scars. He wants, to hear from the, he wants the world to hear the people who have been healed from rejection, from abuse, from cancer, from all these things that we said before, that's because that story is, again, the story of grace in us. Yeah, it, it, the scars tell the story of God's grace and how we redeemed, we're redeemed from our brokenness. And it tells the story of how we rely on God and not ourselves. We don't get through these, he, these, these things. We can hide these things away by ourselves, but we can't heal ourselves from this brokenness. For that, we need grace. You know, without brokenness, there is no grace. We, we need God. We need his grace. Okay, next, last, last slide, and then we're going to have a little response time, actually. So this is where, well, actually, we're going to listen to a song. There's a video. It's, it's a song I, I did for, for, for October. This is, this is actually the time where we, where we respond. We don't run off. We don't get lost in the busyness of the meal afterwards. But there's a song. It's something like six or seven minutes or so. It's, so it's, it, there's, there's time here. This, it talks about all that we can be. You know, that lady at the start of the story, all that she could be when she saw the perfection of Jesus and when she realized her sin, all that she could be was broken and surrendered. And that's all of us. You know, we've all sinned and we all fall short of God's glory. That's from Romans, Romans chapter 3, 23. But in the very same breath, all we can be is broken and surrendered. All we can be is also healed and forgiven. 
You know, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us all our unrighteousness. That's in 1 John 1, 9. Yeah, we're broken, but we can be healed. We're surrendered, but we can be forgiven and we don't need to live in the shadow of those wounds. We live with the gold covering us. And we can be beautifully reborn. Now, he will change our humble bodies and make them like his own glorious body. That's the promise in Philippians 3.21. Yeah, we can be healed. We can be new, just like Jesus was. We are a broken hallelujah. Our wounds are beautifully healed and point to the beauty of the artist and of his grace. So as we listen to this song, and just, I don't know, where, you know, it's up to you where you go with this. You know, this is where I'll stop talking. Actually, the rest is between you and God. So please do, just use this time. You know, maybe brokenness is defining you. Maybe there's still those wounds that haven't been covered in gold. Maybe you need to talk to God about that. Or maybe like Simon, you look good on the outside, but on the inside you don't welcome Jesus. Maybe you need to welcome him. Maybe even for the first time you need to ask Jesus, who are you? How can you heal these wounds and this brokenness in my life? It may be you just simply need to confess your sins and ask his forgiveness. And maybe this is the first time for, for you. So yeah, we'll, we'll listen to this song. So just, it's going to be quiet. Children, you can carry on doing your, doing your craft work. Let's listen to that and then we'll, we'll close and, pr- and with prayer at the end. Broken heart. 
Thank you for grace. I thank you for salvation. I thank you for Jesus' scars that heal us, Lord. I pray, bless us now, Lord. Come and see, come and meet with us as we need you, Lord. And please bless us now as we go from here in, with your words in our heart, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Anybody else in tears? <laughs> Steve. Zoe. Well done. Well done. So good. God is good. Just love what God's doing right now at the moment. Just the connection, even in the prayer meeting that, that Sunday. Mike brought a word about pots and brokenness and then Warren came scurrying forward and about that Kintsugi and Steve and I just looked at each other and went that's what you've been writing about thank you Lord <laughs> thank you for what you're doing well 
How do you follow that with, with, <laughs> with some lunch? <laughs>